0: Hey church, um, glad you could join us. Uh, thank you Jason Martin for leading us in worship. Uh, I want to begin our time in the word together uh, in prayer. So uh, if you just take a moment to pray with me and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for uh, your, your goodness to us. Thank you that you are a living hope uh, that God even in the midst of chaos and uncertainty and God even suffering and hardship, you are good. You are in control. God, we can have hope. God, I specifically pray for those right now who are um, feeling a significant impact from the coronavirus, for those who are sick, um, for those maybe who are beginning to get sick and, and, and have that uncertainty of not knowing, God, for those who have lost their jobs, um, and again, for those who maybe feel like they could lose their job at any minute, Father, I pray for those who are at home right now by themselves, feeling isolated and, and lonely and disconnected. Father, I pray for those who are still working, uh, keeping, uh, God, all the essential services going from grocery stores to the to the healthcare professionals, Father. In all these situations, Father, I pray that you would be our living hope, that, God, your presence would sustain us. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the last week of the public ministry of Jesus. It's often referred to as the Holy Week or um, the Passion Week. And so um, as a church, what we're going to do this week to prepare for Easter is um, each day this week we're going to go through a small devotional together. And, uh, And you should have received this in the emails that have gone out. Um, If not, it'll also be on social media this week, and so daily there's a small devotional uh, for us to do together, um, just to prepare our hearts um, both for Good Friday and for Easter. And then um, on Friday, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you as the church uh, into a a corporate fast together from Thursday night at 6 o'clock through Friday night at 6 o'clock. We're going to fast together together. As a church to focus in on uh, the death of Jesus and what that means for us. And, and ask God just to posture our hearts and prepare us to worship um, as we approach the resurrection. And we'll we'll break that fast together on Friday evening at six o'clock with our Good Friday service. And it'll be set up just like this service uh, for us, us to all join in together and we'll take communion together um, as a church. Um, all on Good Friday. And so I um, just want to invite you into all of that this week as we journey through the Holy Week together. So in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1, we find uh, kind of the beginning of this Holy Week as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Starting in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. And so what we're seeing here on this first original Palm Sunday is that Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem and his desire is to enter into Jerusalem in a very specific way. Now It's important to note that Jesus' public ministry really is bookended by two very similar events. His public ministry began, if you remember, in John chapter 2 with his entry into Jerusalem. And there is where he cleansed the temple. And so once again, Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem now um, at the beginning of this holy week. And he's also going to cleanse the temple. But let me just back up for a minute on Uh, where Jesus is coming from. So recently Jesus has been out traveling with the disciples, ministering, healing, uh, and most recently he's been in Bethsaida. And so uh, in Luke chapter nine, um, Luke captures some really important things for us to think about as we prepare to watch Jesus enter into Jerusalem. So in Luke 9, uh, Jesus says some really important things to those who were following him. As the crowds began together and follow Jesus from town to town and village to village, this is where we find him saying things like, if you're gonna come after me, you must take up your cross. If you're gonna come after me and follow me, you're gonna have to deny yourself daily. If you're going to come after me, you're going to have to be willing to leave your your family behind and let the dead bury the dead. Matter of fact, Jesus says, if you're not ready to set your hand to the plow, in other words, to come in all in committed, then there's no need in following me. And then Luke, in Luke chapter 9, captures this, that at that moment, Jesus set his face on Jerusalem. So we know that even when he, when he was traveling around, um, he had his mind and his heart set on Jerusalem. And we'll see this week, not only Jerusalem, but his, his mind and his heart and his face was set on the cross itself. And so now we're hearing that Jesus wants to enter into Jerusalem to, to begin the events of the Holy Week in a really significant way. And we'll pick this up in verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so, Matthew is great at capturing the prophetic significance of the things that Jesus does and and says. And here, um, what Matthew is pointing to is a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, specifically about the coming of a king. If we go back to those verses in Zechariah, we'll get even more insight. Verse 9 of Zechariah chapter 9, this is the reference that Matthew is, is referring to here. We read these words Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations." His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so not only are we seeing that this prophecy refers to this coming king for the people of um, Israel, but that this king would be a king for nations, bringing peace to the nations, ruling and reigning from sea to sea. And so this, this prophecy from Zechariah is pointing forward not just to a king to come liberate uh, the people of Israel, but a king who would come and bring peace and liberation to the nations. And so what Matthew is saying is that this, the way that Jesus is preparing to enter into the city is setting up this prophecy to be fulfilled. Now verse six, we're gonna see now how the people are going to respond to Jesus. Starting in verse six. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Verse eight. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So now what we're beginning to see here is, is, is what would have been the equivalent of, of the coronation of a king. A uh, coronation would have been this big event that the, that the town and, and the people from the rural community would have been invited to, to come together and to hear the public announcement of, of the new king and to celebrate that with all the people of the land, And we see that symbolized in, in the cloaks being laid on the ground. This would have been what would have happened as a new king had passed through. The people would lay their cloaks on the ground so his feet didn't have to touch the dirt. It was this beautiful portrayal of submission to the king. And the palm branches um, were a symbol for the Jewish nation of both nationalism and victory. So as the people are laying their cloaks down and some are laying palm branches down, they're submitting themselves to this new king and they're acknowledging uh, this new reign of this new king bringing victory. Now those were the basic elements of the coronation, but I think what's important to note, and it's somewhat hard for us to grasp, is just how unusual this coronation was. Uh, To begin with, it was somewhat spontaneous. Jesus ignites it, Jesus gets it started, but the people seem to be just reacting and, and responding, which would have been different from um, a, a planned organized well thought out coronation, but not only that, um, we see that there's, there are no precious gifts given to this king. oftentimes, the coronation of a king would have been marked with the gift of like a, a historic uh, significant item, like a sword or a crown or a scepter, but there are no gifts given here to jesus and and coronations often took place in like sacred places, holy places, um, significant places within the city. And here, Jesus is just walking down the street almost like a parade. And so while this seems to be a coronation of sorts, it's a very unusual coronation. But probably the most significant word is the first word of verse 8. It's the word most. Most Of the crowd spread their cloaks. Now, the idea here is that not not everybody in the city was involved. There were some, a faithful few, who had been following Jesus. Um, His disciples were among that crowd who were here to acknowledge Jesus as king. There were others, probably, who were uh, maybe just more of a fan of Jesus. They had heard of Jesus. They're seeing this big Um, an event take place and they wanna be a part of it, so they're out there throwing down palm branches, but, but rather than being part of the faithful few, these were fans who followed from a distance. And of course, we'll see all throughout this week there were also those among the crowd who hated Jesus, who opposed him, who had already began to plot his death. And so unlike a typical coronation for a king, We've got a group of people here, right? Some are here to acknowledge him as king, and some are here to kill him. So, verse 9 picks up with the crowds again. We read, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now what... The people are shouting is incredibly significant. Some of them, we presume, meant what they were saying. Others were just joining in to be a part of the crowd. But what they were declaring was a really significant statement. First of all, the word Hosanna is the the idea of crying out to God and saying, God, save us. And so by crying out to Jesus, Hosanna, what they were essentially were saying was this: Jesus, save us. Jesus, be our Savior. But, but in conjunction with that, they were, they were calling him the son of David, which was this prophetic title reserved for the coming Messiah, the one who would sit on the throne of David forever, uh, mentioned in 2 Samuel 7. So they're essentially saying, the Messiah is here. Oh, Jesus, you're him. Come now and save us. I think what's important also to note about this is that As Jesus entered into the city and the the cloaks were being laid on the ground, the palm branches were being laid on the ground, the people were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Something else was happening in the city. The city was being stirred up. Now this word stirred up means to be shaken up or to tremble. So it's the idea of kind of the rumbling of chaos now in the streets around Jerusalem. The whole city was beginning to get stirred up and beginning to rumble and shake a little bit now as Jesus enters into the city, and the question being asked, "Who is this?" You know, for some of the crowd, uh, it was it was a declaration, "Who is this? Who who else could this be but Jesus, the Messiah?" For others, it was a sense of curiosity. I mean, who is this? Who is this? Who who comes into our city as as a king? And for others. Those who oppose Jesus, the question probably would have been better written, who does this person think he is? And so now Jesus has entered Jerusalem as the king, not just the king of the nation of Israel, but the king of the nations. From sea to sea, from, from river to mountain, bringing peace to all people. So this Palm Sunday account is somewhat of a paradox. If you think about it on one hand, it's, A pretty unusual coronation. A very unimpressive coronation. And yet the coronation is set in motion for the most extraordinary king. This is not an earthly king who will rule and reign for a season or a generation. This is an eternal king who will sit on his throne forever. This is a sovereign king. A king who's in control, who, who has all power and all knowledge and holds the universe in his hands. This is a king who rules a kingdom without borders. There's not a, 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 a borderline where his kingdom ends and another kingdom begins. Not only that, this is a king who truly loves his people. We'll see that in just a few days when we see this king lay down his life to save his people from the greatest Enemies, and so on. One hand, this is a very unimpressive, somewhat spontaneous coronation for a king, but on the other hand, this is the coronation for the king of all kings. There's another part of the story I want to point out. Before we do that, I just want to share a little bit of even my own story of how I became a Christian. I didn't. I didn't grow up in in a Christian home. We. We acknowledged that there was a God, but we didn't often talk about God or pray to God, and we certainly didn't acknowledge Jesus as our Savior. It wasn't until I was 15 years old that a, that a friend of mine invited me to go to church camp, and, and the way he got me to say yes is he told me there were going to be a lot of girls there, and so... Um, my entrance into the church, into church camp, was uh, with ulterior motives. I went seeking what was pleasing to myself. And what I found, though, on that first night of worship, worship was that I encountered this king of all kings. I came into this, this event looking for things to fulfill my, my selfish needs. And what I found was this, this deep longing within me that had been there my whole life was finally now being met by King Jesus. And that first night of worship, as, as his presence was made known in that, in that room and we were singing songs to Jesus, my heart began to break. And this is where Jesus sought me out. I share that with you because, you know, what's probably most significant about that story is I didn't go to church looking for Jesus. I didn't go to church camp looking for Jesus. But What I found is that Jesus was seeking me and seeking a relationship with me. And what's different about our king, and we see this even here in this Palm Sunday text, is he's not a king who demands that his people come to him, but he's a king who comes to us. He is a king who makes a way to have a relationship with his people, even at the expense of laying down his own life. This isn't not only my story, but it's your story. In some way, through people or a series of events, God has come to you. Maybe for some of you, it's right now as you listen to this, God is coming to you. Jesus is coming to you and making himself known to you as the king of all kings, and he's drawing you to himself. He's declaring to you that he has made a way for you to have a relationship with him, that he has laid his life down for you, that your sins might be forgiven, and that you might enter into an eternal relationship with this king. As we wrap up today, I want to walk us through a few questions for personal reflection and discussion. Some of you may be, again, home by yourself right now, and I encourage you to take this time for for personal reflection. Maybe even spend some time journaling about how God is speaking to you through his word today. Others of you are maybe in your home with your family, and so I would just encourage you to take this time uh, to discuss the answers to these questions. The first question is this. Think back to how you became a Christian. What people or situations did Jesus use to initiate a relationship with you and call you to himself? Just like we see in Matthew 21 where our king comes to the people. How did Jesus come to you? The second question is this. I want you to think about your current relationship with Jesus. If today was the original Palm Sunday and Jesus were entering into your city, which group of people would you be in? Would you be one of the faithful few? Or would you be one of the fair weather fans following at a distance? Or would you be one of those standing in opposition to Jesus? And if you're like me, you can look back over your life and you can see different seasons where maybe you fit into all three of these categories. So I just encourage you to think about where you're at right now. And then this third and final question, if you were to acknowledge Jesus as your king more consistently on a daily basis, what would be different about your life? If we lived in perpetual acknowledgement that Jesus is our king, What would be different? I want to wrap this time up now by praying for you and praying uh, for our church. And then we'll enter into a time of reflection and discussion. Um, Father, we thank you once again for being our living hope. Even now as we've opened your word, God, you've spoken to us. And Father, we know that when you speak, you also work. And God, we know that even though we're not able to gather together in the same place, your spirit God, is moving. God, that you are present in our homes and in our hearts. And so, Father, now I pray you would continue the good work you have began in us. Father, those who are in need of comfort, that God, you would comfort. For those in need of healing, Father, that you would heal. God, for those struggling to find peace amidst the the anxiety and, and just the angst of everything going on, Father, that your presence would be enough. Now as we move into this time of reflection and discussion, Father, I pray that in a very personal way you would come to us, you would meet with us, and you would speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.